You're listening to the Rewilding Earth Podcast. Rewilding Earth podcast is supported by businesses such as Patagonia, Catula, and Biohabitats, as well as the Whedon Foundation and listeners like you. If you love the work that the Rewilding Institute is doing, please consider donating at rewilding.org. And be sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter while you're there. Kim Bakariu is the former Western Director for Wildlands Network, where he organized and led 25 conservation organizations making up the Western Wildway Network in its efforts to connect wildlife habitat corridors from Alaska to Mexico. Kim has been instrumental in elevating the recognition of habitat connectivity threats posed by the walling off of U.S.-Mexico borderlands, including the organization of the first border ecological symposiums in Arizona. He also convened the first private lands conservation workshops in Arizona and was a co-recipient of the Federal Highway Administration's 2007 Environmental Excellence Award for his work on Arizona's statewide wildlife linkage assessment. Kim was co-author in 2000 of the groundbreaking Sky Island Wildlands Network design, the first effort to publish specific science-based maps and implementation steps required for protection of regional habitat networks. Today I talked with Kim about his recent article entitled To Win, Conservationists Must Change Their Message, which dives into the pitfalls of the conservation community's current messaging and his proposed solutions to win the hearts and minds of a much broader global audience. Well, first of all, I want to compliment all my colleagues in the conservation movement who are involved in communications, because it, despite the fact that the minimum and the money is minimum, um, these people have great hearts, and I uh, I am in no way uh, uh, criticizing anything that they're thinking about or doing. But however, there comes a time, like right now, when we really have to consider making a paradigm shift in the way we generate our messaging. Some folks might say that I'm intimating that we have failed at messaging in the past, and we certainly have not failed 100% because um, of all the, you know, there are quite a few advancements that have occurred, but it's just not on a large enough scale. And I find that we, in the past, at least my experience, has shown that we're really reaching people who are relatively easy to convince to come onto our side. And uh, we've got a nice big tent, um, but I think the flaps are closed. And we've got to unzip the flaps and get out of that tent if we're going to make any progress in this. It's a really noisy world outside that tent. It's really nice and cozy inside that tent. It's warm. Um, Everybody can hear each other. Everybody's on the same page to begin with. I think it's just scary to open those flaps. Like, where do you even begin? Well, that's that's a good question, and it is scary. But that's something that we're just going to have to deal with and step out into the real world. And essentially, my argument is based on what I call the human condition. And um, in the past, only rarely has that term come up in our messaging discussions. And it's time for us to start thinking like the big major commercial operations out there that use uh, really highly talented advertising agencies to promote their, their issues. And where I'm going with that is that 
Um, well, first of all, human condition is kind of a broad term, but essentially that means a collection of the volatile situations of life that blend together to dictate how people feel and act. And we really have not looked at that particular aspect of messaging in the past, whereas all our opponents and all our uh, detractors have already mastered that. They have, and, and of course, the reason they've been able to master it is because they have huge amounts of money to spend uh, on advertising. What we really need to do is to start thinking about how we can sort of mimic how the professional commercial world approaches messaging. You know, this has this isn't the first time it's come up. Certainly, um, it's not the first time you've brought it up. What are the roadblocks to that? What has prevented us from getting there? It goes back to being inside the tent. Um, in the past, we've had tremendous help from uh, marketers and advertising people who are totally within our tent with us. They, they actually offer pro bono services to us. Um, they they claim to understand exactly what's going on in our, within our movement. Um, but the end result of all that, and it's happened multiple times over the years. I mean, I can't tell you how many time, how many meetings I've sat in on where we've tried to determine the best possible messaging and often sitting at the same table are really highly qualified advertising people. But, um, the proof is in the pudding, and nothing has really come of that as far as a major movement that reaches outside of where we are as conservationists and tries to reach what I call the non-conservation voting public. And essentially, those are people that uh, don't even think to ask any questions about the environment or how it might affect them of these politicians that are running. And um, um, I think that, that that's part of the basic problem that we have is we have not given that particular audience um, anything to really make them stop and say, oh, I, I think I might get that. Um, and that that's what, you know, it's a huge challenge to figure out that. And I, I've got some ideas about how we might try to approach that. And the first step that I would recommend would be to create a conservation-wide coalition um, of, of our own in the tent uh, group um, to simply start discussing this issue of paradigm shift and messaging. And once we're able to do that, let's say that we were able to, um, to get 20 or 30 different conservation organizations um, that have national footprints um, to sort of join this messaging coalition to figure out what to do. And then the next step um, would be to find out how to pitch our issue to the top advertising agencies. It's not going to cost anything to pitch a project and try to get a cost estimate from someone who for example, an advertising agency that has created the Love Subaru campaign. Or um, what I like to, to use as an example is, I think last year, um, 
almost every single day you could see on television an ad campaign generated um, by the American Petroleum Institute. Um, nowhere in the ad does it say American Petroleum Institute, and the content of the ad is a series of suggestions that without oil, we all are going to suffer drastically. And the whole purpose of the campaign was to encourage people to promote uh, drilling in the Alaska Wildlife uh, National Wildlife Refuge. Um, and if you were to watch those ads, you can see that they're using exactly what I'm promoting here. And that is recognition of the human condition that currently is uh, it's in a very bad situation. Um, people are, especially now, since there's this new crisis that we're faced with, but even before that, um, people were not re obviously paying attention um, to any type of connection that their lives might have with, you know, a healthy environment. And um, so these ads from the American Petroleum Institute um, basically just said, you can't make it um, without the wonderful advancements provided. And even the word oil was very rarely mentioned. Um, um, so when you were done watching the ad, you subliminally have just been sort of scheduled to like oil production. Um, so one of the things that this conservation-wide coalition for messaging, if created, uh, could do first of all would be to figure out a pitch to advertising agencies that would uh, get them to think about it um, and give us cost estimate, realistic commercial cost estimates of long-term uh, of a long-term campaign. In fact, this could even be in the form of a contest amongst huge advertising agencies. You know, the winner of that contest, their cost estimate would be the one that we would try to run with. Yeah, conservationmessagingcoalition.org, possibly. And, 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 you know, we can look to Europe, to um, Rewilding Europe. That is a nonprofit organization that's really greatly successful right now in the whole European continent. We can look at how they have generated funding to maybe help us down the path. It is a very good example. They are slick. And from what you've described, I can't think of anybody better that we could give an example than they uh, doing basically everything that you've just described. You're not some kind of crackpot out in the out in the cabin in the woods somewhere with uh, cockamamie ideas. This is something that's happened before. It's happening now, and it just needs to be expanded for North America. It needs to be really something. I think business partnerships are are something that more and more businesses, especially B Corps um, and private guys who have already made uh, their billions or millions. Um, would really be into if they saw something that looked like what they're used to, like how their companies were before they sold them and made billions of dollars, how they got big, the advertising campaigns they used, um, and the and the the kind of work that their agencies did on their behalf to win the hearts and minds of their customers. Uh, this, this is how my company succeeded. We can get behind this. Exactly. We have to embrace the commercial world, which has been a very difficult thing for us to do in the past. We've made some um, progress in that area for sure, 
and I'm not saying that we we are totally failing in that regard, but um, that is the paradigm shift, and it is to reach out and embrace people who, for their livings, design advertising campaigns that are uh, outside the box. And there's a number of major advertising agencies out there who would, I think, really love to take this challenge on. And what we would expect from that would be messaging that we would completely not have not recognized in any way. Um, And essentially, these messages can't use the standard phraseology that we conservationists have used for decades. Save the planet. Let's speak up for wildlife. They can't uh, talk on their own. Um, Let's uh, connect wildlife habitat to protect uh, top-level species. Those types of messaging work great if you want to bring in people who already vote correctly, so to speak. But our job here is to get way out of that box and uh, change the paradigm. You're listening to the Rewilding Earth podcast. Did you know we also publish insightful and inspirational content from leading rewilding scholars, poets, artists, and organizers from around the world? You can visit rewilding.org and sign up for our weekly digest to receive brilliant, fresh insights on everything rewilding. You'll find over a decade of articles and news from the front lines of wildlands protection and all kinds of restoration efforts. Check us out at rewilding.org and don't forget to share it with friends. How do you feel about storytelling? We don't do a lot of it. It's a lot of preaching, like you said, and, and, and preaching with words and phrases um, that people don't understand. And we don't even understand that they don't understand. Why aren't they getting this? It's so simple. Well, you're the expert. And this, I think, is probably where, you know, we don't think like ad agencies and communicators like you. We don't go beyond what we already know, what we're experts in and everything and go, what does the layperson need from us? in order to have a favorable response to this message. Those previous messages all were generated internally for the most part. And, um, you know, essentially, I think the reason that there's so much difficulty in fundraising uh, amongst our standard funders for conservation, um, there's so much difficulty uh, because simply um, we're, we're using messaging that is not working, those funders are looking at it and say, this isn't working. I'm not going to fund this. And I've seen that happen multiple times. So therein, another great reason why we need to get outside of the box. The professionals may not even like the idea of conservation, but their job in in the professional commercial world is to create award-winning advertising campaigns. Their job is to get out there and make something really award-winning happen. And that's where they get their kudos. It's not because they're conservationists, just because they're tremendous um, advertising messengers. I would love to be able to just sit down and start writing stories. I would lo- I'd love to write a story about a particular jaguar that was trying to cross the border very soon when that 70 some odd miles along Arizona is closed up with the wall that covers basically every single path that a Jaguar would take from Mexico uh, up into the States on their natural migration path, but not hitting it like 
like we typically would, which is you've got to do this, you got to do, you know, wagging our fingers, but just telling a story of what it's like to be that Jaguar in an anthropocentric way, of course. And the, and the hardcore conservationists are just going to have to take a seat. I know they hate that stuff, but it doesn't matter. You're in the communications world now. I mean, how many times have you had at exactly. least that conversation in the back of your mind as you're sitting in a room of conservationists, like, we're not going to anthropomorphize, a, you know, this or that, or, <laughs> and you're sitting there going, but that's the only way they're going to listen. They have to have stories told. They have to get emotionally involved. Right. Um, well, this is where it gets really tricky because I think what we need to do is picture somehow try uh, to picture ourselves in the position of somebody who, for example, in the political world, might be a fence sitter between Democrats and Republicans. Maybe they they could go one way or the other, um, but something has caused them to vote a certain way. And typically, lately, um, it hasn't been the way we want them to vote. And my question to you is, okay, so you tell a really dynamic story about a Jaguar trying to squeeze its way through the steel bars of the wall or something. Um, that's a very interesting story, all right, but it doesn't really want to make some people, and I'm just making a guess at this, but it might be true, um, that story may not make somebody vote a certain way. Um, yeah, they might, they might hear the story and go, oh, wow, what a, what a terrible thing for that Jaguar. Um, but my issues are so much worse than that um, that I can't put some time into thinking of it right now. Um, and that's kind of a controversial way to look at it, but I'm afraid that it has some valid validity. I think it does 100%. And I mean, we have empirical evidence of, of the truth of that um, because those stories have been attempted many times before and just left that more on the discovery channel side, the Nat Geo side where they're playing to an audience that automatically shows empathy toward those stories. Um, and uh, even in that case, they're pretty passive. They're like, that was, that was bad or good or entertaining or whatever, but you know, Nat Geo doesn't really do, it's getting better in some ways, but it doesn't, it's mission is not to be an activist channel <laughs> and get people to go do yeah. things. And so they tell stories, exactly. but if the story doesn't have a call to action that makes sense and it makes sense for who it's pointed to. So if it's a legislator or if it's for people to get a hold of the legislator and give them the power to talk in a, in a convincing way to get the vote that we need on, on particular things, then the stories have to be followed with like in the marketing business, we call them CTAs, calls to action. And if you've done your job well with the story and you've, and you've, and you've made sure that you don't just tell the story of a Jaguar and, and let people just go, well, I have to choose between the Jaguar and toilet paper. Um, but, but actually tie it to some real world thing like tourism or, or, you know, actual money, if that's the only thing that the people you're targeting to understand or seem to care about. And then a really good strong exactly. call to action. It's it's marketing 101. If it was a business, that's exactly what you would have to do to stay in business, to get new customers. Um, we don't typically think like that in the nonprofit world in general, not just conservation. Exactly. And um, I, I, I think this really dovetails right into the big message here and that the big message I'm trying to promote. And that is and that how 
do you promote the story? Okay, it's great to have the story. Um, and let's say that it's one of the greatest um, heart-throbbing pieces that could possibly be produced about jaguars. Um, we need to be able to get everybody to see that story. And, you know, that, that involves, obviously, social media, Internet, but it also involves television. And no matter what, um, and I, my guess is that a huge proportion of, re, of um, conservationists don't even have TVs. So they're so out of the loop of what's going on in the real commercial, professional advertising world um, that it's difficult to talk about this. And um, so that's my question. How would you get that Jaguar story in front of everybody so that you know that you're capturing at least some of the non-conservation voting public? Yeah. yeah, I think the needle has been moved to what degree I don't know, but I know that it, that um, the work that Leonardo DiCaprio has done on climate crisis uh, and the publicity that he was able to generate, in, in, and it took a lot of energy, took a lot of his treasure and uh, other people uh, to also just fund the thing. But um, the, the combination of money, interest, uh, self-interest on the part of the people who were waking up at the time when he was really going at it at the very beginning um, and, and celebrity, like, like having all of those little ingredients included, I believe there's a formula that there, that could be created from this, right? That, that, um, all of these yeah. different elements come together and it is something that cannot be ignored, not just gets out to everyone, but it just cannot, it's a force to reckon with. That's what I like to picture. It sounds awesome. Well, it's, um, it's certainly, uh, something that we need to really stir up the pot here and start talking to our colleagues and also start thinking about what's out there and who we could team up with that may not be somebody that you would obviously think. Um, and it's not necessary. You know, I understand how the messenger is the key to the whole storytelling uh, thing, but um in some regards, there has to be a way for that messenger to send the message that, that they're creating. And that's where my concern has been over the years and where I'm really seriously focusing on now how to create the vehicle to put this out there. Do you think it would be more, and I think about this a lot, I'm looking at this, I wrote it down, Conservation Messaging Coalition, and then I put .org in the, in the thing. Don't anybody go get that, please. Um, we might need that. But uh, maybe this needs to be completely divorced from everything else. Maybe there needs to be an organization that just does this, that has people in it like you who understand this stuff. And we get out of the boardrooms um, and the planning sessions that have the, the conservation biologists and activists and organizers and people like that in it and get completely away from that um, and just become the trusted organization that understands what needs to be done so that you guys yeah. can, people like you can do your job, do the work that you know needs to be done. Well, you, you've hit something there that's really important in the name of this uh coalition would not have the word conservation in it anywhere. And in fact, maybe we could use the tactics that our enemies use, create these weird names for things 
that are the opposite <laughs> of what you're trying to do. I think you know what I mean. Yeah. So in yeah. other words, maybe the name of this org, .org could be uh, Coalition for Human Messaging or Coalition for Survival or something like that, that it totally diverses itself from the conservation world. Probably. I mean, it's almost like in a political world, a super PAC. I don't know what exactly rewilding is doing today. We're not allowed to talk to each other. And, and that's a good thing. And we set it up like that on purpose. We weren't forced to. We did it on purpose because we need to be out here actually thinking 1000% about just proper communication uh, with people to get the outcome, the desired outcome that we need. That's all those guys think about. They really, you know, they're not like the passion that they may have or may not have is nothing like our passion. And I think maybe sometimes it's our passion that gets in our way of actually getting this stuff done. You know, we can talk about this all we want internally. And uh, I have, uh, well, the paper that I published on medium um, by the way, which you can see by going uh, to medium.com and then typing in, to win, conservation, conservationists must change their messaging. Um, and you can read that um, on Medium. But um, within that paper um, uh, are the things that I really have tried to promote here on this conversation. But um, it's a question of uh, getting that um, information to these wealthy potential donors. Um, and I, I have sent that paper to um, Steyer, Buffett, Bloomberg, and a couple of other ones with attached descriptions of why I'm sending it to them. And I've had no response of any kind. Of course, it's a campaign season, et cetera, et cetera. So I suppose there's that type of thing. But um, I don't think these guys are being reached in a way that they, that they care about or that gets their attention. Exactly. And, uh, so yeah. uh, basically what this what I'm bringing this up for is because my pitch didn't work. And it's a pitch that I've got like 20 years experience trying to develop pitches. And so if I'm not able to do this, that means that we got to go way outside the tent, <laughs> craft these messages that we're not thinking about. You know, in, in marketing, you're, you've always got a couple of messages to uh, craft. And a lot of people are like, no, we just got to get our messaging down for our, uh, for our consumers, direct to consumers, or if it's B2B to the businesses that we're trying to attract. And I'm like, no, you actually have to craft two marketing campaigns in one. One has to go to the people like you just went to and, and, and had it fall on deaf ears because you worked so hard, and this is the hard part for everybody. You worked so hard to get that paper together that's on Medium and, and can be clicked on the link below this podcast um, to, to read Kim's paper. You worked so hard on that, you feel like you're done. Like, and, and we all do. Like When we get our products done as businesses and we're ready to go to market, we feel like we're done because we worked our butts off and we're, we, we, we crawled over the finish line getting everything ready to go product side. And then a new, completely, equally hard battle ahead lies ahead in the marketing of that. The, or nobody's even going to see the <laughs> product come to light. Nobody's even going to know it exists. And, and often people find themselves in a situation where they just crawled across that line completely exhausted, not knowing how in the world they're ever going to start 
a brand new project that's just as big as the one they just finished when they're so worn out and they feel like they're done. And it's hard, man. Yeah. It's really hard. It seems like a, a central coalition like you're proposing is the only kind of thing that's really built, like trying to put this on the backs of organizations or like when you were at the Wildlands Project and as part of the Wildlands Project and all the other things that you had to do, you also had to be all of this. And it's really just not fair to ask anybody or an organization or a small group of people to be in that position and go, go out and win this huge victory, but we only have this many tools for you. And we're also going to restrict you because we want to make sure the messaging doesn't sound bad to our ears, which are irrelevant. We don't care about our ears. <laughs> it's not the hearts and minds of us that we're trying to capture, right? We're currently in the throes of this incredibly uh, bad COVID-19 uh, pandemic. And without saying a word, um, conservationists actually have an inroad because of this horrible, terrible thing that's happening. And that inroad is, what am I going to do if I'm locked in my house and I can't go anywhere um, where there are other people? What's left to do? Bingo. Go out into the woods. Go hiking. Um, and so without any advertising at all, people are slowly realizing that, wow, in, in the midst of this horrible thing, I can still go out and feel good and exercise and be uh, best I can to be healthy. And uh, so it's just something that people are going to discover eventually if this goes on for quite a while. Um, you know, just to continue talking about this idea for creating a coalition uh, of conservation organizations that could then stand as one um, in talking to advertising agencies simply to get them to give us a price on what it would cost to run ads every single day for a year um, on all kinds of TV media and everywhere else. Um, and uh, if we could only just get such a coalition together, which to me would be a, quite a fight, but I think it could be accomplished just based on the problems that are cropping up everywhere. I mean, we're, you know, it's that typical conservation uh, uh, march forward where you go one step forward and two steps back. And we have to reverse that. So we go two steps forward and one step back, something like that. But um, somehow we would have to convince co coalition members to come together to simply just talk about how we can approach major advertising agencies to get them to maybe raise an eyebrow and say, hmm, well, this would be interesting. So we'll just go ahead and give these guys a price on what we would charge to create this massive campaign with brand new messaging. Well, you guys today have gotten to hear some insider baseball. Um, these are some of the things that uh, we talk about typically just in closed door meetings, uh, staff meetings, board meetings. Um, but I think it's interesting for everybody to get a, to kind of get an idea of the things that we're wrestling with as a conservation community, as, as all nonprofits also wrestle with very similar things. Um, and, and, and I think personally it stems from the idea right for the very root of it is just, we consider ourselves nonprofits. 
and um, and yeah. charities and disadvantaged in ways that businesses are not with strings on us that businesses don't have. We need something else, another layer. And I think this coalition idea is that layer. Yeah. And, and we have good intentions. Um, and I don't want this to come off as a big negative against conservationists because um, that's clearly not the purpose here, but um, it's simply attempting to convince conservationists that there's, there's another road that we have to go down. And uh, um, we really don't even know what that road is. And that's why we need to reach out to people who do this uh, for a living. Their whole challenge in life is coming up with something weird and unique that is going to sell a product. And that's exactly the road we got to go down. I agree. Kim, it's been great. And we need to touch base again. Thank you so much for being here today. And I want to talk to you again. Well, Jack, thank you very much for this opportunity. It's, it's really this type of a conversation that we need to be having so that everybody can, can hear it. Thanks for listening to the Rewilding Earth podcast. We do what we do because of you. This podcast is supported by listeners like you who long to live in a wilder world please consider donating at rewilding.org and subscribe to our weekly news and article digest while you're there. To go the extra mile, you can follow and share Rewilding Earth on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Bonus points for sharing this podcast with your friends. To listen to past episodes, go to rewilding.org pod. That's rewilding.org pod.